Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. <clears throat> I'm your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. And you can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com. Slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. And you can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. So you can hit me up on Twitter as well. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Clipper Dow. And, and we all know the Donald Sterling story, but Clipper Dow, one of, one of the greatest NBA fans out there and, and a big-time Clippers fan, essentially the mascot for the LA Clippers. He's going to come on, and we're going to talk to him about the whole Donald Sterling situation. Also, we're going to be joined by NFL draft prospect Crockett Gilmore, tight end, former tight end, Colorado State University. He's going to talk about his upcoming, talk about his prep for the upcoming NFL draft. Also, Dylan Baxter, who started out at USC went to San Diego State, but ended up at Baker University NAIA school. We're going to talk to him as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. So Crockett Gilmore of Colorado State University, running back Dylan Baker, transfer from USC, Baker University, we're going to talk to him, and also Clipper Darrell, big-time NBA fan of the Los Angeles Clippers. I want to start, man. These NBA playoffs. Excuse me, NBA playoffs last night. Just the NBA playoffs in general have been absolutely positively ridiculous. Five game sevens. Three today, two tomorrow. Five game sevens. Absolutely ridiculous watching these playoffs and the high level of play in the NBA. It's beautiful, man. Absolutely beautiful to see and to watch. If you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball, point blank, Bottom line. Point blank bottom line. I mean, because it's been absolutely great. And how about last night? I mean, Damian Lillard, to to end that game, three-point shot at the buzzer, first walk-off series win since John Stockton back in 1997. I remember that all so much over Charles Barkley, that three in game six of the uh, the Western Conference Finals to send the Utah Jazz to the playoffs. That was a painful time because that was a – Big Charles Barkley fan. You know, obviously I was a fan of, well, not obviously, I'm a six, lifelong 76ers fan. And I followed him to Phoenix, and I followed him to Houston, wanting and longing for him to get that championship. It didn't happen, obviously. And, you know, that was the last time there was a walk-off three-point shot to end the game. But <clears throat> these, it's been great. It's been absolutely great. I mean, you know, and, and that Portland – Houston Rockets series was a great series of back-and-forth, up-tempo, a lot of points scored, a lot of high level of offensive play. Defense, not much defense in that series, but a lot of offense, a lot of offense. And you saw it. 
you saw it. I mean, Damian Lillard and, and that Portland team, they move on. They're a very exciting team. And they, they got some, you know, Damian Lillard is a, is a star in the making. Aldridge, Nicholas Batum, Wesley Matthews. I mean, they got some decent talent on that basketball team. And it was an evenly matched series. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they went back and forth. They went back and forth. And you thought after Chandler Parsons made that layup that it was game seven in Houston. And you got even more excited because five game sevens turned to six game sevens, so you were excited. You were salivating. And then Damian Lillard drops the three bomb. And, and how did he get that wide open? Inexcusable for him to get that wide open with 0.9 seconds on the clock. He got that wide open, folks. He got wide open, and, and he just buried that three-pointer for the dagger. And now, ultimately, the Blazers go on, and they will face the winner of the Mavericks and San Antonio Spurs. And that was a great one last night as well. Monte Ellis, big in the fourth quarter, absolutely big in the fourth quarter and big in that game. And I heard Charles Barkley talk about Monte Ellis being, and, and saying, you know, he is the best player on that team. And so, as the best player on that team, he needs to play well. And that's what Monte Ellis did. He played well, 29 points, 11, 11 for 22 from the field. He played well. DeWan Blair, how about the play of DeWan Blair in this series? And he came back last night with a double-double after missing a game for a suspension. I mean, he came back big time. And ultimately, the Dallas Mavericks now, game seven against the San Antonio Spurs. They give them a sh- they give, you know, you give yourself a shot. Game seven, win or go home. You know, and, and it's one game now at this point. So anything can happen. You go out there and have the best game of your life, or you go out there and have the worst game of your life. It's a game seven. It all comes down to a game seven. And how about today? I mean, how about on this Saturday? This is a a, a sports fan's dream. If you're a horse racing fan, you you got the Kentucky Kentucky Derby. You got three game sevens. Three game sevens. Three game sevens. And then the nightcap, as one of the game sevens are still going on, the nightcap, you have Mayweather, Maidana. So now your sports day is a ridiculous situation. It's a ridiculous situation. I mean, if you're buying the fight, you're probably – clicking back and forth between the Clippers and Warriors and Mayweather Maidana. You're, you're probably clicking back and forth. So, and, you know, they'll probably get in the ring about 12 o'clock tonight, probably over about 1 and show. You're, you're, you can see, well, I mean, it's a good undercard too, by the way. Colazzo Khan, Adrian Broner, Molina. I mean, it's a decent Undercard. So there's a lot of fights on that undercard that you want to see, other than Mayweather and Maidana. But anyway, it's a great day to be alive if you're a sports fan. I mean, if, if you're a sports fan, this is, this is must-see TV. Three game sevens in the NBA. Mayweather, Maidana, and, oh, by the way, the Kentucky Derby. You can't ask for anything more. And also, oh, by the way, the NFL draft is just around the corner. The NFL draft is a few days away. 
So life is good if you're a sports fan on this Saturday, May 3rd. May Day, if you will, Floyd Mayweather, Marcos Maidana, three game sevens in the NBA. And one of those game sevens, Grizzlies, San Antonio Spurs, I mean, that has been a great series, four overtime games in that series. But now, Game 7 loses its luster because of a bad decision by the NBA to suspend Zach Randolph for Game 7. I mean, you know, obviously Zach Randolph was wrong. Obviously Zach Randolph was stupid. But that was not a punch. That was not a punch. That was a shove. That was a push. And it was so close in terms of, okay, I can understand why, how you could say it was a punch, but it was so close that you could say, you know, the NBA could say, let's excuse this. It's so close, we'll give him a fine, but it's so close here that let's go give him the benefit of the doubt, excuse him, let's give him the benefit of the doubt here, and let him play in game seven. Because now Mike Conley, he has the hamstring injury. We don't know how healthy he'll be. And Zach Randolph won't even play in game seven. Probably the two best players won't be playing tonight. So at this point, going into this game, you figure that that the the Memphis Grizzlies really have no shot. And, and, And let's be honest, they really don't have a shot. They really don't have a shot. I mean, it, it was an uphill battle going in to this game because, again, game seven in another team's building, history tells you that game seven and the home team wins more often about 80% of the time the home team wins in game seven in the history of the playoffs. So, Game seven, the home team is usually favored. You usually favor the home team in game seven. But I look at this series now in this game, Memphis, who had a shot, now has no shot. No shot whatsoever to win. None. No shot whatsoever. There's no way the Memphis Grizzlies can go into Oklahoma City and beat OKC without a healthy Mike Conley and without the services of Zach Randolph. Bad move by the NBA. I mean, you have three game sevens. You have all the attention coming on your league with all these game sevens and everything. And you choose this time to suspend Zach Randolph it's, it's mind-boggling. To, to me, it was just too close. It was too close for you. That wasn't a punch. That was a shove. That was not a punch. That was not a punch. He deserves to play in this game seven today. He, he deserves to play in this game seven. It's ridiculous in my opinion. But he's not going to play. It is a done deal. And I know Jeff Van Gundy was saying, maybe can the league revisit this? Maybe can the league look at it again? I wish that was the case, Jeff. I really do. 
because now that game seven becomes blah at this point. It, it, it truly becomes blah because the reality is no Zach Randolph, Mike Conley struggling with his health, with the hamstring, and OKC means no shot for the Memphis Grizzlies, but who knows? They might come out with a big effort. It's only one game, and you only need one person to step up big in one game. And obviously you're going to need a little more than one, but all you need is one person. Bano Udrick, not a bad point guard in this league. He's going to probably get the bulk of the minutes if Mike Conley can't be 100%. Marcus Gasol, obviously, is going to have to carry the load for this ball club. And they're just going to need some uh, points from a source that they haven't really gotten points from throughout the course of this series. Maybe Courtney Lee can be that guy who, who gives you a big lift. Maybe it's Courtney Lee who can do it. He's a guy that can fill it up. Maybe Courtney Lee. I mean, I'm you know it's it's not. This is a team that's not very explosive points wise to begin with. I mean, they're they're near the bottom of the league in terms of points per game. So this is a team that's not really explosive in terms of points per game to begin with. So you take out your two best players now. It changes the whole dynamic of this team, the whole dynamic. Conley, third-best leading scorer for this team. Zach Randolph, their they're, they're highest leading scorer. So you take out those two things, and now it's going to be tough for the Memphis Grizzlies. And it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. It didn't, and it, would, it, it shouldn't be this way. And I, I'm disappointed in the league office for it being this way. I really am. I, I'm really disappointed, Adam Silver and, and, and the rest of the NBA, for the decision they made to suspend Zach Randolph for Game 7. It just takes the luster off this game. It was a dumb move by Zach Randolph, but... It, it, it wasn't a situation where this guy, Zach Randolph, should be suspended. It just wasn't. just wasn't. It is what it is at this point in time, and we move on. And the other game seven, there's three of them, Atlanta, Indiana. I mean, the Hawks had a great opportunity in game six to put it away, a great opportunity. But David West, he was big down the stretch for the Memphis, uh, for the uh, Indiana Pacers. He was big. He was big down the stretch. And he willed the Pacers to victory, willed them to victory. And they held on. They held on. But you, you look at this series, obviously the Atlanta Hawks have won twice in Indiana, one by nine and one by ten. And as you watch this series, you're saying, and looking at this series, the best team, to me, seems to be the Atlanta Hawks. They seem 
to be the better of the two teams. They seem to be the better of the two teams, the Atlanta Hawks do. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that the Atlanta Hawks seem to be the better of the two teams, just the way the games have been played out. Just the, I mean, other than game two, when the Indiana Pacers went crazy there in that second half and it just took over that game, other than that, other than that, this series has been all Atlanta Hawks. All Atlanta Hawks. Really. I mean, other than that one game, other than that one game, the Atlanta Hawks have really pretty much dominated this series. In those games, the Hawks, the games that the Pacers have won have been very close, very close. So, it's no for is I do think the Pacers will win tonight because it's in their building, and history tells you the home team is the favorite game seven. So I I do get the Pacers the edge tonight, but I will say this: the Atlanta Hawks are a live, live, live underdog tonight. A live underdog tonight because again, matchups. Styles make fights. And Isaiah Thomas said it great last week on this show. The Hawks seem to pit the Pacers in places that the Pacers are weak. And and, and that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen in this series. That's what we've seen between these two teams. And in terms of Roy Hibbert, he only played 12 minutes the other night. Only played 12 minutes the other night. So in terms of Roy Hibbert, I think it's a situation, if he comes out and, and he's not good, you need to have a quick hook. You need to have a quick hook. I mean, you can't mess around in game seven. You, you, you judge and, and see what Roy Hibbert has to give you to start out the game, if it's not anything good, if he's hurting you and he's not playing well, you need to cut it right then and there. And so it doesn't make sense to continue. But the guy's only average for four points a game in this series, only four points a game. So it doesn't make sense to continue to trot him out there if he's not being effective, if he's not helping your ball club. This is game seven. This is win or go home. Can't spare feelings at this point in time. You can't. It says you can't spare feelings at this point in time. I mean, this guy had zero points on Thursday, and on Monday he had zero points. I mean, you, you, you can't have that on the court. You can't. You can't have that on the court. It, 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 if he's not helping you, evidently, He's hurting you, and he's definitely hurting you because, you know, Atlanta has gone essentially – Atlanta plays small, and obviously by them playing small, it makes Roy Hibbert null and void. And he's, if he's not killing them on the offensive end, if he's not making them pay on the offensive end, it doesn't make sense to have him. It doesn't 
make sense to have him on the court if he's not helping your situation? Does that make sense to have him on the court if he's not killing the Atlanta Hawks for going small? Doesn't. Doesn't make sense. So we'll see how this works out. But I think if you're you're Frank Vogel, you trot him out there, but I think you've got to have a quick and short leash. You trot him out there. You like what you see. You move forward. If you don't, quick hook him, put in Yon Mahini, start him in that second half, and just turn Roy Hibbert into a cheerleader pretty much. I mean, and that's all you can do if you're Frank Vogel. That's all you can do in this situation. This is game seven. There's no fooling around now. There is no fooling around at this point in time. None. No fooling around. So the reality is you've got to make your move. This is go time. This is win or go home. You can't spare any feelings here. So, again, Frank Vogel, short leash with Roy Hibbert tonight. If, if you like what you see, keep it going. If you don't, move forward. Point blank, period. And then you got the Warriors and Clippers. You know, and, and this was a series that I, I, I thought it was going to be the best series in this first round. It turns out it was Houston, Portland. But this series is a close second. And you had all the drama with Donald Sterling. And we're going to get to Donald Sterling, and we'll talk about that. But you had all the drama with Donald Sterling and his mistress and, and the racist comments and things of that nature. You had all that drama. All that drama. And, and, you know, that drama was talked about over and over again. But at the end of the day, this has been a great series. And these are two evenly matched basketball teams. And here's the thing. If I'm the Clippers, I hate to see Steph Curry on the other sideline in a game seven. I, I, I hate to see Steph Curry because Steph Curry is the type of guy that can drop 40 to 50 points, can hit eight to ten three-pointers in a game. He's the type of guy who can get big-time hot, sizzling hot, and getting sizzling hot can basically steal a ball game. Steal a ball game. That's the ability of Steph Curry. He has that ability to go and steal a ball game. So with him on the other side, I can't be comfortable if I'm a Clippers fan. I can't be because you have him on the other side. You have a guy, seven to ten three-pointers. You have a guy who can, who can do all types of things and, and can change the course of a ball game. You have that guy who can get sizzling hot and just go crazy, absolutely crazy. You have that guy. That guy and Steph Curry, who can do that? You have reality is, reality is, as a Clippers fan, I think you've got to be a little nervous seeing that on the other side. You've got to be a little nervous seeing that on the other side. You've got to. But I think the key is Blake Griffin. And, 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 and watching this series and just looking at the numbers, Blake Griffin – has averaged 28 points per game in Clipper victories. 
Blake Griffin has averaged 18 points per game and Clipper losses in this series. So to me, looking at those numbers and that number, Blake Griffin has to come up big for the Clippers tonight. Blake Griffin has to be big. You already know what you're probably going to get from Chris Paul. I know he's a little banged up, but he's, this is game seven. He should be good to go. It's going to be what you get from Blake Griffin. I think it's the key. And also, Steph Curry. you got to limit Steph Curry. You can't have Steph Curry just going crazy. You can't have Steph Curry all crazy because there's a possibility Steph Curry could go all crazy. There's a possibility, and Steph Curry going all crazy, that he steals a basketball game from you. I do think the Clippers are the better team. They are the better team. But I also think the Golden State Warriors, and Mark Jackson believes the pressure is on the Clippers, and I agree with him. But I think I think the Clippers are the better team, but I think Steph Curry is is the wild card and his ability to just go crazy. His ability to go crazy. And we'll see if that ability to go crazy will put the Golden State Warriors over the top today, tonight, I should say, against the Clippers. We'll see. We'll see. Let's go to boxing now. we got a big fight tonight. Marcos Maidana, Floyd Mayweather, welterweight division, welterweight title on the line. And there was a situation with the gloves, and Floyd wasn't too happy with the padding of Maidana's gloves. Ultimately, they figured that out. And at one point, there was talk that maybe the fight wouldn't be a go. I necessarily didn't believe that, but there was talk that the fight might not be a go. But they cleared it up. The fight is a go. Like, I really wasn't nervous. Too much money to be made. I mean, Floyd, minimum $32 million. All that money, MGM Grant has doled out. And, you know, all those playing customers there, everybody, there was no way that this fight would have been canceled. No way. There was no way this fight was going to be canceled. But it's coming together. It's came back together. And now this fight is on the moment. Maidana, Mayweather. And you look at this fight now. You look at this particular fight, a lot of people talk about the distractions that Floyd Mayweather may be having off the, you know, outside the ring with his fiancée, Miss Jackson, his former fiancée, Miss Jackson. Floyd put it on Facebook, ultimately erased it. I think he put it on Instagram as well that, you know, he, he put up abortion papers that Miss Jackson, his former fiancée, aborted two of his unborn children. Two of his unborn children. She said, apparently to Floyd, she, she aborted him. And Floyd, he's pro-life, and you know, and that's one of the reasons. That's a big reason they broke up. And if it's true, it's a good reason to break up, especially Floyd not even knowing. So it's a great, big reason to, to, to break up. But I don't know if, if Floyd really is that distracting. I know yesterday he seemed a little subdued at the way. Didn't seem his 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 usual self at the way. It it seemed a little he seemed a little subdued. He really did. But but with that being said, I'm not one of these guys that believe Floyd is going to be distracted tonight. I mean, this was the guy who during the Miguel Cotto fight, 
who was going to go to jail a month later. So after that, he, he went into that fight knowing that after that fight, he was going to jail. So as far as I'm concerned, and, and I look at that, that's a, probably just as big of a distraction. Losing your freedom is just as big of a distraction as, you know, having girl problems. And it's probably a little more than girl problems if you're talking about abortions without Floyd's permission. So probably a little more than girl problems. But anyway, anyway, I, I look at this fight, and I know Maidana's been fighting well for, you know, one of his last four fights including beating Adrian Broner. I get that. And Adrian Broner is supposed to be a Floyd-like clone, supposed to be a younger Floyd Mayweather. Supposed to, you know, obviously he had the shoulder roll and everything, same type of Mayweather, Mayweather stance and all. But the bottom line is Adrian Broner is no Floyd Mayweather. And, and that's clear, and let's get that out of the way right then and now. Impressive victory by Maidana, but it's not Floyd Mayweather. But I look at this fight, and 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 – Obviously, you got to give Maidana a puncher's, a puncher's chance because he's a guy that hits hard, 80% knockout percentage. So he hits hard. He hits hard. So he has a puncher's chance. But I, I look at the Devin Alexander fight, and I know it was, it was uh, Marcos Maidana's first time at the welterweight limit of 147, but it was Devin Alexander's first time as well. But anyway. Maidana had a different trainer at the time, and it, it seems like Maidana's made some improvements. But, I mean, Devin Alexander is a boxer a la Floyd Mayweather. And so that seems to be the blueprint to beating the Floyd uh, uh, Marcos Maidana, a boxer, Amir Khan, who beat Marcos Maidana. That was at 140. He boxed him. They did trade a little bit, but he boxed him. And he had speed. Devin Alexander has speed. Floyd Mayweather has speed. So all these guys who who beat Maidana have speed. They have speed. In Amir Khan, that was a fight where Maidana really, Maidana really had him near the end of that fight. But Amir Khan was able to hold on. He was able to hold on. But Maidana had him. Maidana had him. Um, but anyway, he held on. But I look at this fight, and I look at Floyd Mayweather, the ultimate boxer, the, the uh, defensive genius, a boxing genius, a boxing savant, Floyd Mayweather. I don't see Maidana being able to touch Floyd Mayweather. I know he has the power. I know he's a bruiser. I know he's a brawler. And, and I know in order for Maidana to win this fight, he's going to have to make it an ugly fight. He's going to have to make it a fight. I mean, Canelo Alvarez tried to box Floyd Mayweather. That's a mistake. You can't box a boxer. You can't box the best boxer in the sport, maybe the best boxer in the history of the sport. You can't box him. you got to brawl. You've you got to be active. you got to make this a fight. you got to make it a fight. And Maidana has the ability to make this a fight. Because that's what you have to do if you want to beat Floyd Mayweather. you got to make it a fight. A fight. A fight. And that's what you got to do. And I think 
Maidana can make it a fight because that's just he can brawl, but he's got to be able to touch Floyd. And Floyd, again, the best boxer in the sport, the best counterpuncher in the sport, has the best defense in the sport. Floyd Mayweather does. I don't see how Maidana can win. I don't. See, I mean, you know, like I said, he has a puncher's chance. He has a puncher's chance. But I don't see it. I don't. But I, I mean, at some point, Floyd Mayweather, thirty-seven years old, maybe the quote-unquote distractions may get to him. Maybe age may get to him. Maybe. But he's thirty-seven years old. And at some point, you got to get old. Sometimes guys get old overnight. Sometimes they do. Will that happen to Floyd Mayweather tonight? And I think that's what we're waiting for. You know, we, we, we keep talking about some point he's going to get old, some point he's going to get old, some point he's going to get old. Hasn't happened. Didn't happen against Guerrero. Didn't happen to Cotto before that. Didn't happen against Canelo Alvarez. And it's one of those things. I heard Brian Kenny say it. It's one of those things where... You have to almost you have to see it to believe it. You're not going to say he, he's lost it. You're not going to say that he's old and gotten old overnight unless you see it. You, you're not going to predict it. You just have to see it. Seeing is believing when it comes to Floyd Mayweather and whether or not this guy gets old overnight. Seeing is believing when it comes to Floyd Mayweather. And whether or not he ages overnight. I don't see it, man. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. At least not tonight. And I just continue to hope that Floyd Mayweather continues to win. And I continue to hope that Manny Pacquiao continues to win. And I continue to hope and hold out hope, though with Pacquiao and rumors are he's close to an extension with top ranking Bob Arum. And Floyd Mayweather, I say, they'll never work with Bob Arum. Again, Richard Schaefer of Golden Boy Promotions, who's also helping promote this fight, doesn't want to work with Bob Arum ever again. I know Oscar De La Hoya went to Bob Arum's house a few well, a few days ago to talk to him. He's a part of Golden Boy. But I know also Oscar De La Hoya and Richard Schaefer of Golden Boy are at odds. So I don't know if these two will ever fight. I don't know if these two will ever fight. And as the time goes on, and I still think with with Pacquiao winning and if Mayweather wins and continues to win, I still think there's still a market for this fight. I really do. A lot of people believe that Pacquiao has slipped a little bit. There is a level of slippage when it comes to Manny Pacquiao. It's still a fight that intrigues many. Still a fight that intrigues many. But unfortunately, a lot of times in boxing, we get the fight when it's too late. We get the fight when it's too late. And I, and I hope that's not the case. I mean, you look at Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. When they fight, they fought in, what, 96, I believe. Well, they were supposed to fight a long time before that. And Mike Tyson just came out of prison. Holyfield really wasn't a prime Evander Holyfield. And Mike Tyson wasn't a prime Mike Tyson. The Mike Tyson, before he had headed to prison, was the Mike Tyson that 
you know, was still a prime Mike Tyson. And so that was the fight back then when it was supposed to happen. Happened, what, four or five years later? But we would love to have seen it both in their primes. Both in their primes. It would have been great. It would have been great. But it obviously didn't happen. And this fight, Pacquiao Mayweather, should have happened in 2010 when both of these guys, you know, were in their prime. And Mayweather's still going strong, but Pacquiao's shown some slippage. And I, I, well, Mayweather definitely has, he slowed down a little bit, but not by much. Not by much. So 2010 would have been a great time to see these two warriors. And, and at the time, they would have probably shattered all different types of marks in terms of gate and in terms of pay-per-view numbers. They would have shattered it all if those two would have gotten it on back in 2010. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. They would have shattered it all. They really would. But it didn't happen. And judging by the, the, the way the climate is going between top rank, judging by the way it's going between top rank and, and Golden Boy, top rank, and, and Floyd Mayweather, it looks like this fight will never, ever happen. And that would that, be a travesty. That would be an absolute travesty that uh, two best fighters in the era don't get it on. And that, that would that would that would wouldn't be good. That would that would suck. That would truly suck if those two guys don't get it on. But I'll give you my prediction later in the show who I think is gonna win definitively. Maidana has a shot. He has a shot. And if you watch all access, they do a good job of making you believe that these guys going in, going in against Floyd Mayweather have a shot. Twenty four seven as well. They give you uh, they give you the belief, and it's kind of subtle, but they give you the belief that these guys have shots against Mayweather. It gave you that belief. It put a little uh, a doubt in your mind. I mean, those 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 twenty four sevens, those all access, they're all infomercials. Infomercials for the fight. They're all infomercials, and they're there to promote the fight. They're there. To, to, to get you excited about the fight. That's with what, what those all-access and 24-7s are doing. And there, there was a time where, I mean, I'll I give you a perfect example. The Bradley-Pacquiao first fight. I wasn't going to buy it. I, I didn't think Bradley really was going to win that fight. I didn't think Bradley had a shot to win that fight. Then I watched 24-7. And... Watch it 24-7, okay, I, I started to get swayed a little. I, I started to get swayed a little, and I started to think, maybe Timothy Bradley does have a shot in this fight. And so ultimately I made the purchase. And that was a fight, ironically enough, that Bradley did win, but that was a, also a fight that I fell asleep in like the ninth round. And I woke up, and I saw Timothy Bradley going on top of the turnbuckle, celebrating to the crowd that he had won the fight. And, I, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm waking up, and I'm t- asking the people around me, did he get knocked, did, did Bradley knock out Pacquiao? What happened here? And no one, I mean, I was shocked. And they said, no, no, no. And I'm thinking, how did he win the fight? 
Pacquiao was dominating this guy. But it happened. But anyway, 24-7, the all-accesses, the all-access 24-7, HBO's 24-7, and all-access on Showtime, those things have a way of getting you motivated to purchase the fight, getting you motivated to buy the fight, and giving you the belief that the underdog in each of those fights has really an opportunity to win, and All Access done that, has done that in this fight and has done that in previous fights. But I don't, we'll see. I'll give you my prediction later on in the show. I want to go to Donald Sterling now. and we, We've been talking about this all week. We, actually, last week we were on the show. The story kind of just broke. We were on the show. We were talking about it, and I was talking about it. And it was, a, it was an interesting story, definitely an interesting story. I know it also came out a few, a couple days ago that Donald Sterling does have cancer. Well, reports are that he has cancer. Um, and, you know, I'm, obviously you don't wish cancer on no one and nobody. And, but I look at that, and to me I'm a little skeptical of the timing of the announcement. I mean, because from what I'm reading, he's known that he's had this maybe for, for a while now, according to reports. So I think it's, 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 it's convenient, if you will, to, to drop this now. And Donald Sterling is a businessman. Donald Sterling is a businessman. He's going to do anything to protect his image, for sure. He's a businessman. That's what they do. That's what business people do. They've got to protect their image. So Donald Sterling now, now it's coming out that he may have cancer. And at this point, some people will say, oh, this is karma. This is reaping what you sow. And then, you know, and, and I'm not one to say that because I don't know. I don't think it's fair for me to say that. And, I, again, I don't wish cancer on no one. But I just think it's kind of suspicious that this is coming out now, 81-year-old man. And it's, cause it's suspicious that this is coming out now when all this is going on. This could have came out, you know, if whenever he got the diagnosis, and obviously he's had the diagnosis for some time. You would think that this would have came out a long time ago, or whenever it came down, or whatever it happened, and maybe he was trying to be private about it, and maybe he didn't want people to know. But at the same time, now you want people to know? I'm just speculating in terms of maybe he didn't want people to know. But what I'm saying is it comes out now. That, to me, is very very suspicious. That's suspicious to me. That's suspicious. I'm sorry. I, I mean, he, you know, I just, you, you bring it out now. It almost makes Donald Sterling become a sympathetic figure. How can you come down so hard on this guy? He has cancer. How can you talk about him in this way? He has cancer. You know what I mean? So it, it, it makes Donald Sterling a sympathetic figure. Whether he has it or not, I guess he does, but the timing of it to me and making an announcement or, or coming out with it or dropping the report or, or giving, you know, the report of this coming out to me is just a little suspicious at this time. But if he does, in fact, have cancer, I hope him and wish him nothing but the best. I, I hope and wish him nothing but the best. But, again, it just it, it seems suspicious. It really does at this point in time that he, this would come out. 
seems suspicious. But anyway, the whole situation with Donald Sterling and it was it was it was crazy when it dropped last week and you're you're listening to the phone conversation and first of all, have you ever heard so much ignorance of one phone conversation in your life? I mean, from both sides, whether it's the the mistress of Stevavino or whether it's Donald Sterling. I mean, the, the, just them going back and forth on that conversation and, 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 you know, her saying, what can I do to make it better? And, you know, him saying, don't put them on my game, take them to my games, meaning black people, don't put them on Instagram with you having pictures with them. I mean, it, it, it just was, was, was crazy when you heard, the, you know, that, that tape and the level of ignorance on that tape. <clears throat> but here's what I'll say to this, to this whole thing. And I know, you know, the players talked about boycotting, I know the Clippers turned their, their, their warm-ups inside out, and other, other, other teams around the league have done the same thing or did the same thing before Adam Silver came down with the announcement that, in fact, Donald Sterling was banned from the NBA and that he was fined $2.5 million and that also the league would try to force him to sell his team, and that should be interesting. Uh, that's going to be a fight. If Donald Sterling fights it, he can definitely – he has a fight. So we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully he doesn't fight it. Hopefully he just moves on with his life. But anyway, anyway, you know, I, I can understand the outrage and the uproar of the players, but I will say this. To me, it's a, it's a tad hypocritical from, the, from, from this standpoint. We've known for years about racial comments that Sterling has made. We've known for years uh, about lawsuits in terms of housing discrimination, in terms of Elgin Baylor, the Elgin Baylor lawsuit for discrimination, and ultimately he did win that particular lawsuit. But we've seen it. We know. We've heard it. And if I'm hearing it, you know players in and around the league know about it, that, you know, Donald Sterling, in fact, we are, you already knew he was a racist. So my point is, you know, you got all these players coming out and Doc Rivers coming out, and they knew, in my mind, that he was a racist before they took his money. They knew in my mind that, that this before Doc Rivers became the coach and the president of the Los Angeles Clippers, he knew that Donald Sterling was a racist. He's no dummy. He knew it. To me, and how I view this situation is this, and it's simple. This was a case of, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. Just say you and your friends are walking down the street, you know, you're with your boys, few of your boys, and somebody steps on your shoe. Okay, your brand new white sneakers. If you're by yourself, you know, maybe you let it slide. But if you're with your boys, now you've got to make a big deal out of it. <clears throat> now you've got to say something. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now you've got to be tough about it because you're with your boys. You're with your boys. So you've got to show your boys like, look, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take that from him, stepping on my sneakers. You, you kidding me? And then your boys are there maybe hyping you up. Oh, oh you're going to take that? <clears throat> now, if I'm by myself and somebody steps on my shoes, I'm like, you know what, no big deal. You know, I'll clean them off. It's all good. Now your boys are around. You've got to do something about it. That's what I see here with the whole situation with the Clippers and their players and Doc Rivers and everybody. All of a sudden, you are upset that Donald Sterling's a racist? 
something you, you already knew? You already knew that Donald Sterling was a racist? I mean, you knew that. That You already knew it. Now all of a sudden, the world hears this audio, and now all of a sudden, you got to start reacting. you got to act like, oh, this bothers me. you got to act tough on some level. And that's what I see here. You already knew. You already, taken, you already knew that you were taking the money of a known racist. You already knew it. I don't care what, what, what uh, V. Stevavino says, his mistress, even though she says she's never slept with Donald Sterling. It's hard to believe, and this guy's gave her $2 million worth of gifts and things of that nature, but we'll talk about that. It's hard for me to believe that you didn't know this guy may have had some racial tendencies. Racist tendencies, it's hard for me to believe that. I think it's a situation now that people have heard that audio, everybody's heard that audio. I mean, this was a national story. This wasn't just on ESPN. This was on the World News, the CNN, the Foxes, the MSNBC. This was everywhere. This was a national story. This wasn't a sports story anymore. This was a national story. So, of course, guys had to react in a certain way. Guys had to talk about possible boycotts. Guys had to talk about all these different things. And then guys had to prove that, look, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to tolerate it. So as far as I'm concerned, you already knew. Don't act like now you didn't know. Don't act brand new. Because you already knew that Donald Sterling was a guy that is probably a racist. And, you know, Donald Sterling's 81 years old. And when he grew up, he may have had those beliefs. And it's not a situation that, I mean, I'm not saying it's understandable, but you do know where he's coming from based off when he grew up. And how he grew up. So you understand it. Don't make it right, but you understand it. But it's 2014. And the level of ignorance in that conversation from both sides, the girl and Donald Sterling, was just off the charts. It was just off the charts, the level of ignorance that you heard in that conversation. Off the charts. And then this girl, V7, you know, now she's. She sat down with Barbara Walters last night, and she also said that she doesn't believe Donald Sterling's a racist. I mean, she's probably just protecting her investment. I mean, she's a 31-year-old girl. Donald Sterling's 81. I mean, come on. You know, what's that say about her? What's that say about her? You know, I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but you, and you know the rest. This, 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 this girl, 31 years old, I mean, this guy, this girl, I should say, has received, according to a lawsuit filed by Donald Sterling's wife, this girl has been given $2 million in cash and gifts, including Ferraris, Bentleys, Range Rovers. Also bought her a house. I mean, he's really showered her with a lot of different things. So she's going to protect her investment. She's going to protect her investment, and she's saying she didn't release this 
audio to TMZ, this audio she is saying was released by someone else, not her. This audio was released by someone else for the money. And, and if I'm her, why would I, would I release something like this when I'm already getting $2 million in cash and gifts and houses and cars and vacations and all that other great stuff? And I said Donald Sterling's 81. He's actually 80. But the reality of it is, the reality of it is, this, this girl is, is, is trying to profit and, and trying to enjoy her 15 minutes of fame. I don't blame her. I mean, obviously, this is a girl who, in a lot of ways, is a girl who obviously is willing to do some things that others may not be willing to do for money. This is a girl who's willing to date an 81, an 80-year-old racist who, this girl's black and Mexican, so this is a guy who doesn't even, well, this is a guy who doesn't even like her, doesn't like her people, but is willing to shower her with gifts. And she said, she said he's never slept with her. I got a hard time believing that. I mean, I got a hard time believing that. I wasn't born yesterday. You can't. And I don't think, uh, I think you, you'd have to paint dummy over the face of anybody who believes that. If you believe that, I'm putting dummy on your face. <laughs> I'm going to spray paint, spray paint dummy on your face if you believe that this woman has never slept with Donald Sterling. Please. You don't shower people with, with, with $2 million worth of gifts and items and accessories without doing anything with them sexually. I don't, I don't think a man is going to do that. I'm sorry. What would be the reason to have her around? For companionship? He has his wife for that. <clears throat> what can he get from her? What can she do? This is a young girl. How can he, how can she might not even be able to mentally stimulate him? I, I mean, is it really, I don't think this girl could probably do any other thing but physically stimulate Donna Sterling. That's it. And, you know, looking, looking at pictures of her, you know, at first glance, I thought, wow, she's, she's, She's gorgeous, but looking at her again, it's just okay. Nothing special. Just nothing special. Nothing special at all. But for an 80-year-old man, that's a great get. Great get for an 80-year-old man. Great get. I mean, I can't knock an 80-year-old man for getting that. I can't. I won't. I won't. But according to B. Stavavino's lawyers, those two have never had sex. Again, let me paint dummy. If you if you believe it, I'm going to spray paint dummy on your face right now. Don't bring that to me because I'm going to go get my spray paint and I'm going to spray paint dummy on your face. I'm going to paint dummy on your shirt. I'm going to paint dummy on your jeans, your, your, your dress, whatever you have on. I'm painting dummy on it. If you tell me you believe that Donald Sterling and this woman never had relations, please, please. But what happens moving forward? What happens moving forward? I mean, you know, a lot of people are coming down commending Adam Silver for what he did. He really didn't have a choice. Did he have a choice in the matter? I mean, this is a guy in Donald Sterling who you heard the audio. The audio is out there. You heard him say definitively, don't bring black people to my games. This is the NBA that is a majority black league in terms of its players. This is the NBA that has a lot of support in the African-American community. Donald Sterling is saying, don't bring that to my game. 
Well, if you have one of your 30 owners out there saying, don't bring black people to my game, you have to react. You have to react if you're the league. You, you, you really don't have a choice because now he's messing with the money. He's telling a group of, of, of fans who support your league that they can't and that you don't want them at your games. You don't want them at your games. Don't come to my games. I don't want you there. You're black. I don't want you at my games. That's what Donald Sterling is saying. So Donald Sterling, excuse me, Adam Silver, had no choice but to move. He had no choice but to do something. He had no choice. And so Adam Silver did what he had no choice but to do. And everybody's saying kudos to Adam Silver. But the reality is we already knew that Donald Sterling was a racist. That, that, that's really not a shocker. That's kind of Captain Obvious that Donald Sterling was a racist. Everybody knew, everyone knew that he was a racist. I mean, it's, it, it's no shocker that he was a racist. I'm not shocked. I'm not stunned. I'm not amazed. I mean, it, it, I, and I'm not one of these guys who's going to kind of going to put a crown on Adam, Adam Silver and you know give him a gold star for suspending Donald Sterling forever. No, I'm not going to do that. For what? He knew he was a racist. Everybody knew he was a racist. Bottom line, they start to, when you start messing with the bottom line of the business, and that's essentially what Donald Sterling is doing by saying by having that audio, and he didn't leak the audio by whoever leaking that audio and putting it out there. But anyway, whether it was private, public, or what have you, it's out there. So Adam Silver really had to move on this situation. He had no choice. And we'll, we'll see. What happens if, if Donald Sterling, I know he said he's not planning on selling the team, and I also know he said that uh, he should have paid, paid her off, paid this girl off. Should have paid somebody off. All the money, he's a billionaire. And the reality is Donald Sterling will be fine. I mean, you, you're not really hurting Donald. You might hurt his ego a little bit, but he'll get over it. 80-year-old man, billionaire, a lot of money. You sell the team. You got to remember the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks sold for 550 million. Small market. You're talking about a team now in Los Angeles. You're talking about close to a billion dollars, probably for the Los Angeles Clippers. You're talking upper hundred millions to at least a billion dollars. So, with that being said, Donald Sterling is going to be absolutely positively fine. I mean, he bought the team what 12, 15 million. That's when he bought. The, he bought the team for like 15 million dollars. So the reality is, that's a heck of an investment. That's a heck of a return on your dollar. That's a heck of a return on your dollar. So life, again, ego might be bruised. Maybe he goes and maybe he needs another woman. That's possible. He's rich. He has power. So maybe he has to do that. But... The reality is Donald Sterling will be fine. And if anybody believes they're hurting Donald Sterling, 
again, only thing they're probably hurting is his ego. And that's something that you can come back from. That is something you can come back from, but you never know. He is an older man. He is an older man, so it might be a little difficult. We shall see. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Pauly G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. Second hour of Go For It starting right now. In this hour, expect to be joined by NFL Draft prospect Dylan, ba- Dylan Baxter, who's preparing for the upcoming NFL Draft. And Dylan... Started out at USC, had some trouble, ultimately transferred to Baker University, NAIA school. But we're going to talk to him about this prep for the upcoming NFL draft. Ran into a little trouble at USC, but ultimately he has an opportunity now. And we're going to talk to him about his prep for the upcoming NFL draft. Also, Clipper Darrell will be joining us in this hour. Darrell, we all know him. You know, he's got the red and white, red and blue suit at the Clippers games, got the Clipper car. He's got everything. He's, he's all about the Clippers. He's all things Clippers, all things Clippers. And we're going to talk to him about the Clippers, talk to him about his thoughts on Donald Sterling. You remember uh, a few years back with Clipper Darrell, there was a thing where him and the Clipper organization were a little at odds. And, and this was a guy, a loyal fan, obviously, for, for the Los Angeles Clippers. Been with this team. He had a little streak going on, I think, what, three, 400 straight games. But a loyal fan to the Clippers and – if you know anything about the Clippers, you know this has been a bad organization over the years. This is an organization that has not won much. So this is a guy attending and watching some bad basketball over the years, some bad basketball. So you know he's a loyal fan if he's going to Clippers games and watching that bad basketball over the years. But anyway, you know, you you look at his situation and how the Clippers basically – wanted to, to strip him of that Clipper Darrell moniker and, and basically, you know, distance himself from him. And ultimately it worked out. Ultimately they worked their differences out. But, you know, if, if you uh, this is a guy, a loyal, loyal fan. It, it doesn't get any more loyal than Clipper Darrell from, you know, it doesn't get any more loyal than this guy. Because if you still like the Los Angeles Clippers after some of the seasons they've had, then you're truly a fan of that team. It's a lot easier, you know, it's a lot easy, a lot easier, I should say, to be a Lakers fan. A lot easier to be a Lakers fan. Pretty hard to be a Clippers fan. But we're going to talk to Darryl, Clipper Darrell, in this second hour. Let's go back now to the to the NBA and Mike D'Antoni. Los Angeles Lakers has resigned. I know one of the sticking points with that whole situation is Dan Tony wanted to get an extra year. He didn't want to have that lame, lame duck status. And, and I don't blame him because the reality is 
you got to be able to to have respect to your players. And if the players view you as a lame duck, well, then it's going to be hard for them to respect your authority. And then you're going to have a hard time laying down the law in your locker room. You're going to have a hard time uh, doing what you need to do in your locker room. You're just going to. And so Mike D'Antoni resigned for the Los Angeles Lakers, and we'll see where the Lakers go. But you look at the Mike D'Antoni and, and, and what they did and, and bringing him in, how much of a mistake it was. I think it's pretty evident and obvious that was a mistake. You have Phil Jackson out there who Kobe Bryant, your best player, your face of your franchise, who he wanted, and you decided to go in a different direction. Obviously it was a bad move, bad move, because you, you – I mean, Phil Jackson, his pedigree is his pedigree. You know, the, 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 the championships. We all know the dominance of Phil Jackson. We all know. 11 titles. We, we all know it. We all know Phil Jackson and what he brings to, the table, brings to the table. We all know that. So the decision to me should have been easy. The decision to me should have been very easy. The decision to me should have been Phil Jackson. The decision should have been Phil Jackson. I mean, it was, to me, pretty obvious, especially when your best player, Kobe Bryant, wanted that to happen, especially when, you know, you're a Laker team who, with Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant, you had players that were geared to what Phil brings to the table and not necessarily what Mike D'Antoni brought to the table. Mike D'Antoni was at his best when his team played small. They played small ball. They were at, that's when the, the, the Suns were at their best. Well, they were told that this Laker team was totally different than that Suns team. They were, you know, with Dwight Howard, you're, you're a powered team. You're not as much as finesse. With Dwight Howard and Powell Gasol, you're a powered team. You're not finesse. So it was, it was a matchup that was destined to fail. Between, it, was a, it was a marriage that was destined to fail. It was players that didn't fit what Mike D'Antoni does and did throughout the course of his career. I mean, Mike D'Antoni had a lot of success with the Suns, a lot of success. And a key part of his success was obviously players, but players who fit his style, players who fit that up-and-down style. But Mike D'Antoni, the thing about Mike D'Antoni and his teams, they don't play defense. The Suns really weren't the best defensive team the Knicks, when he was with the Knicks, really didn't defend. And the Lakers don't defend, didn't defend throughout the course of this season, throughout the course of the last two seasons. Well, if you have that, that's not a good situation. I mean, they were 29th in points allowed. They gave up 109 points per game. So that, that and, and I'm not saying, obviously this Laker team wasn't a very talented team. They, they were not a talented team this year, not a talented team at all. And, you know, Red Auerbach, could have, Phil Jackson could have coached this team and it probably would not have been successful, especially without the services of Kobe Bryant for most of the season. Obviously, you lose with Dwight Howard. Steve Nash, not healthy throughout the course of this season. So this team, this team 
meaning the Lakers really weren't built to win this year. They weren't built to win this year. They didn't have the talent to win this year. They don't have the talent. They really don't. So, I, I mean, I, I, I just look at this whole situation, and they made the right move, the Lakers. What, what took so long? Should move, that should move should have never have happened. Should have never have happened. Should have never hired Mike D'Antoni. Should have never have hired him. But what's done is done. Now the Lakers moving forward. We'll see. I know they had some reports where Kevin Ollie. But reports are now Kevin Ollie could get a raise at UConn, so he probably is going to stay there. Tibbs, Tom Thibodeau, and the name you heard from the Chicago Bulls. But we'll see how that works out. But the Lakers, the mayor right move, and moving on from Mike D'Antoni. He was a guy that was just an awful fit for the Lakers organization. An awful fit. That's just bottom line, point blank. Period. An awful fit. Let's go back now to the NBA. Let's go back to these playoffs now. Let's go back to the teams that are actually playing. And the, as we said, the NBA made a move yesterday suspending Zach Randolph for Game 7. But a lot of people were on pins and needles, especially in Indiana, and wondering whether or not Paul George would get suspended. Because as we all know, as we all know, in the NBA, during a fight, if you step onto the court, automatic suspension. Automatic suspension. And Paul George made a couple steps out there to the court, and you thought maybe there was a possibility that Paul George, because of that, could get suspended. I mean, we've seen it over the years. You remember Robert Ory, where he gave that little hip check to Steve Nash, and then Stoudemire crept onto the court, and ultimately he was suspended. You know, you had the altercation, Mike Scott and George Hill getting into it, and those two getting into it, and ultimately Paul George kind of sneaking on the court, if you will. Paul George sneaking on the court, and this happened back in 2006. This happened, excuse me, 2007. I mean, you had the Suns where Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire got suspended for a pivotal game five. Pivotal game five in Phoenix. And because they, had, they didn't have the services of DL, of Amari Stoudemire, who at the time was second-best player on that team, because they didn't have the services of those two guys, ultimately it affected the way the Phoenix Suns played in Game 5 and, and, and affected that series. And you wonder how history would have looked differently on Mike D'Antoni if he could have got his sons over the top. History might have looked at Mike D'Antoni a little differently if that suspension didn't go down. Because that was a game five. That was a big game five. A pivotal game five. And you didn't have the services of your two one you know, your two best bigs. You didn't have the services of your two best bigs. And Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire. Your two best bigs. Obviously, that was a bad call by the league. And it would have been a bad call by the league if Paul George would have got suspended for Game 7. That would have been a bad call. Because within any rules, there has to be a level of common sense. 
There has to be a level of common sense. Common sense has to prevail in any rule. Common sense has to prevail. And common sense didn't prevail back in 2007, and common sense did prevail, fortunately for everybody in Indiana, in 2014, but it didn't prevail for the folks in Memphis as Zach Randolph got suspended for, some say a punch, I'm going to say a push. The league said a punch, I'm going to say a push, because that's what I saw. I didn't see a punch, I saw a push. So, we'll see what happens tonight. We'll see what happens with Memphis. They have no shot, but we'll see what happens. It's only one game and anything can happen in one game. But we'll see what happens tonight in Indiana. I mean, that's that's a game big for a lot of reasons. I mean, if they lose tonight, there's a thought out there that Frank Vogel's probably gone. If they lose tonight, you wonder what happens with Roy Hibbert. Do they, do they see if they can move him? He makes a lot of money. But do they try to see if they can move Roy Hibbert? I mean, a team, if they lose tonight, you wonder how different they're going to be Next season. I mean, this is a big game for a lot of people. Vogel, Roy Hibbert, and just the, you know, the, the Indiana, Indiana Pacers organization as a whole. Because you, if you lose this series, you do realize that you're losing to a team who's sub-500. You do realize that, and losing to a team that's sub-500, I mean, you were a team, a 50-plus win team, you were a team that was built to win today, a team that was built to win this season. Your talk all throughout last season, and this all season and coming into the season, your talk was all about getting the number one seed, which you did get, and your talk was about getting a game seven in your building and ultimately getting over the top and beating the Miami Heat. That's what, that's what your thought was. Your thought was to beat the Miami Heat. Your thought was to get that home court advantage. Your thought was if you get home court advantage, your thought, if you got all that, if you got the home court advantage, your thought was, okay, at this point, that's going to put us over the top. That's what's missing. That's been missing from us over the past couple seasons, not having that home court advantage. Well, you got it. You got the home court. You went on a, just you just played bad basketball near the end of the, the final couple months of the season. And there were points in time where you thought maybe the Pacers would snap out of it, but they didn't. They couldn't. They couldn't snap out of it. I mean, you know, Roy Hibbert calling people selfish, and a lot of people believe that was he was referring to Lance Stevenson. You know, you make the Evan Turner trade. That really hasn't worked out for you. I mean, you're in a position now where a lot of things that really, I mean, Everybody was 
Indiana Pacers, Indiana Pacers, a lot of people gave the Pacers a very legitimate shot to get to the NBA Finals. I mean, Charles Barkley, I remember when he made the Evan Turner trade, he thought that that put him over the top. That was it. That, that was the thing that was going to put them over the top and send them to the NBA Finals. Now they're fighting for their lives. If they get by this, get by the Hawks, we'll see what happens against the Wizards. We're playing some pretty decent basketball at this point. Because the Pacers are having a hard time scoring the basketball. But maybe, you know, with, with – because with, you've got to remember, Roy Hibbert only averaged four, five points a game against the Atlanta Hawks throughout the course of the season. So his numbers really shouldn't be that much of a surprise. But in terms of the, the, the Washington Wizards, it's probably a better matchup, more favorable matchup for the Indiana Pacers than – the Atlanta Hawks. But anyway, Washington Wizards played some pretty good basketball. And beat a team, I guess you can say, similar to the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls. I mean, obviously the Chicago Bulls don't have the services of Paul George, who is blossoming as a star, not a superstar just yet, but it is a star at this point in time. Obviously the Bulls didn't have that. But in terms of their makeup, they're similar in terms of their style of play and the and the physicality that they play with and, you know, how they use their bigs and things of that nature. But bottom line is this. Indiana Pacers are going to have to get it done tonight. And even if they get it done tonight, maybe it's a situation once they could move on and get better matchups that they'll be fine. They'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals and possibly to the NBA Finals. Because at the end of the day, against the Miami Heat, they will have home court advantage. Not saying that means much, that will mean much in that series, but history has told us and shown us if the Indiana Pacers could get the Miami Heat to seven games, that having that seventh game in your building gives you an advantage, gives you an uh, an advantage. So, I mean, we'll see. Should be interesting. Time will tell. But the bottom line is this. The Indiana Pacers, they lose tonight, that team may look very different next season. They may look very, very different next season if they lose tomorrow. Tonight, I should say. Because, I mean, Frank Vogel and this team has really, really slumped. This team had championship aspirations. And to go out in the first round, the first round to a sub-500 team in the Atlanta Hawks, it's inexcusable. There, there's, there's no excuse for it. And you, you, can't fire the, you can't fire all the players. So the easiest person to fire, the easiest thing to change, is the coach. That's the easiest thing to change is the coach. So we'll see if they do fire Frank Vogel if it doesn't work out. We'll see if they fire Frank if it doesn't work out, if they lose tonight. I mean, the question becomes, do they really have a choice? Do they really have a choice? And, I mean... It's, 
it, it's tough because, of the, again, this team had championship aspirations, and also this team, a lot of people thought this team could really win it all, not only coming into the season but throughout the course of the season. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out if the Indiana Pacers do lose. And I want to go to Dwight Howard and uh, the Houston Rockets last night. And a lot of people after last season, and rightfully so, came down hard on Dwight Howard. I mean, you know, he was a guy who battled a back injury last season and had some struggles throughout the course of last season. But now, throughout the course of this series, I, I, I don't think we can say anything bad about Dwight Howard. I don't think anybody can say anything bad about Dwight Howard after what we saw in this series, after the production that he put up in this series. I don't think anybody can say anything bad about Dwight Howard. I don't think he can. I mean, this guy really, really got it done this, this playoffs for the Houston Rockets. I mean, 26 points, 13 rebounds. 26 points, 13 rebounds. That's his average for the series. 26 and 13. That was his average. 26 and 13. So you can't you can't say anything bad about Dwight Howard. You can't. You can't. You can't. I mean, you just can't. And what we saw in that fourth quarter, I mean, in that fourth quarter, the guy, 13 of the 21 points in that fourth quarter scored by the Houston Rockets were scored by Dwight Howard. 13. I mean, 13 of the 26, 21 points scored by the Houston Rockets were scored by Dwight Howard in that fourth quarter. So he did everything he could do to put the Rockets over the top. He did everything in his power to put the Rockets over the top. Everything. 26 and 13 in this series. It's time to give kudos to Dwight Howard. It's time to give kudos to Dwight Howard. Because 26 and 13 is big time. 13 points in the fourth quarter is big time. I mean, they, they were running the offense through him. Running the offense through him. They were running the offense through him. And he he was a dominating force. He was a dominating force, not only in this series, but in that game six. He tried to will his boys, the Houston Rockets, to the next round and to a game seven. Here's the thing about the Houston Rockets. Here's the thing about the Houston Rockets. They, don't, they have subpar, I don't say subpar, but they don't have good point guard play. 
and they don't defend the ball, and they don't take care of the ball. If you don't defend, you don't take care of the ball, you're not going to win in this league. You're not. You don't defend, and you don't take care of the ball, you're not going to win. That is the recipe for failure. That is the recipe for failure in this league. Not defending and not taking care of the ball. You've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to defend. You've got to be able to take care of the ball. And the Rockets don't do that consistently. They don't take care of the ball consistently. They don't defend consistently. And with all that being said, if you're not going to have that, you're going to struggle in the playoffs. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle mightily. And with that being said, a lot of people are saying that Kevin Kevin McHale may go. A lot of people believe Kevin McHale may go. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't think Kevin McHale should go. And I don't think the Houston Rockets were a championship caliber team coming into this season. I didn't say the I didn't think the Rockets were championship caliber. I thought that the Houston Rockets would be a solid team. I thought the Houston Rockets would win fifty plus games. I thought the Houston Rockets probably would win a round or possibly two, but I didn't think they were going to go to the NBA Finals. I didn't think they were good enough. They didn't do the things that you need to do good and do well in this league to be successful. If you don't defend, you're going to have a hard time winning in this league. 23, 23rd, I should say, in points allowed. If you don't do that, if you don't do that, you're not going to win. You're not. If you don't defend the basketball, you're not going to win the playoffs. You can't run up and down. I mean, they're second in points per game. They average 107 points per game. But you can't go up and down in the playoffs. The playoffs turn into a half-court game. So you have to execute in the half-court. You have to execute in the half-court. You got to. And the Houston Rockets, they didn't execute in terms of defense in the half-court. You got to do that. You got to be able to defend. You got to. And you got to be able to take care of the basketball. Is that a byproduct of coaching? I guess on some level. I mean, defense is attitude, defense is effort, but it's also personnel. I mean, who who on that roster? Patrick Beverly is a pretty good defender. But other than him, I mean, I guess your bigs are decent in a chic, you know, Dwight Howard. But. You know, James Harden is not the best defender. Jeremy Lin is not the best defender. Chandler Parsons, I wouldn't call him a lockdown defender. So you really don't have guys who have that defensive mindset. You really don't. So I look at it that the Houston Rockets anyway, as far as I'm concerned, really weren't built to win this year. They're a process. Maybe they can get their hands on Ronda. Rajon Rondo, that might be a help because then you have a guy, a, a big-time point guard who solidifies your point guard play, who who helps you protect the basketball, take care of the basketball. 
That's what you got to do. And that's what the Houston Rockets didn't do. They played sloppy. They played sloppy basketball. They do play sloppy basketball at times. And they were sloppy at times. They really were yesterday. Really sloppy. Sloppy team. But anyway, they're home. They're going fishing. They're going fishing. They're going fishing. Fish on. Fish on now, Houston Rockets. Time for you to go fishing. And I, I thought they were, I had them winning this series, obviously. Going into the series, I had them winning. I had them winning. But just because I had them winning don't mean they should have won or going to win. But I, I had them winning. I really did. I had them winning. I thought they were the better team. I thought they would have a little more than – I really did. I thought, they, I thought they had a little more than the Portland Trailblazers. I really did. But they did and the reality is now, Blazers go on, Rockets go home. Blazers go on, Rockets go home. Let's go to the NFL draft, which is a few days away, four or five days away, Thursday. The NFL draft is, is upon us. And a lot of people are complaining, talking about, wow, this, this is such a drawn-out long process. I mean, can, can we speed this process up? This process is so long, and the draft is usually in April. Now it's going to be in May. It was in May this year. And a lot of people are tired of, of, of reading mock drafts. And, you know, it's, it's at some point, I guess, it's, you know, paralysis by analysis because you're just going on and on and on. Who's going to be it? Who's going to be it? Who's going to be number one? Who? What about Clowney? What about Manziel? Uh, is he an NFL quarterback? Will he be successful? I mean, come, it, it, you go on and on and on. I'm looking at Todd McShay's final mock draft, and he has Clowney going one, Sammy Watkins going two to Arizona. He has Manza, not Arizona, to the Cardinals, not the Cardinals, to the St. Louis Rams. He has Johnny Manziel going four to Cleveland, and he doesn't even have Teddy Bridgewater in his first round, and you remember going into last season, the talk was, was Bridgewater being uh, the number one rated quarterback in this draft. That was the talk. Bridgewater was, was, was the number one quarterback in this draft. And now, now, you look at Todd McShay's mock draft, he doesn't even have doesn't even have Teddy Bridgewater in the first round. So he has him dropping all the way out of the first round. Wow. And this was a guy, like I said, a lot of people had him as the number one rated quarterback. And I know he had an awful pro day. He had an awful pro day. Wasn't one of his better moments, his pro day. Wasn't a good pro day for Teddy Bridgewater. Wasn't a good day for him at all. He struggled mightily in that pro day. And Johnny Menzel, on the other hand, had a pretty good pro day. But I look at pro days as workouts. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean what? what? What are you going to show in that pro day that's going to change how 
you feel. I mean, what, what, what's going to happen in that pro day is going to really change a lot of things. It's, it's no pass rush. You're just throwing the football. You're just throwing the football. And so I look at Johnny Menzel, and I look at a guy who, in my mind, I'm not really too sure about. I, I don't like his pocket presence. I mean, I, I, his style of play, you wonder, being how small he is, you wonder if that would be, just judging by the way he look, his style of play and just judging by his frame, will he be able to survive a 16-game season in the National Football League? Will he be able to stay upright, if you will? Will he be able to stay upright? And that's the question that, you know, I'm not too sure about because of his style of play, because he doesn't seem like a guy who is willing to, 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 to stick and stay in that pocket. Because at the end of the day, you can have all the athleticism you want in the world. You can run around, up and down, in and out, anywhere you want to go. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to stick and stay in that pocket and to be able to make those tough throws under duress and be able to stand in there and take a big hit in order to get that completion. That's just the nature of the position. That's what you have to be able to do to be successful in this league. Johnny Menzel, below six foot, Johnny Menzel, not the biggest of guys, and Johnny Menzel is the guy who likes to get outside the pocket. You can't survive in this league. You can't survive in this league playing that style of play. I mean, we look at Michael Vick. I mean, Michael Vick has had a hard time staying healthy throughout the course of his career. A hard time staying healthy. I mean, he's really had a hard time staying healthy. And you start, you can't, you can't, and I think Michael Vick, I mean, last year when he got hurt, it was just a freak-type situation. I mean, he popped his hamstring. I mean, that can happen to anybody. That can happen to anybody. He popped his hamstring. But before that, you know, he was a guy who took big hits. And I think he started to develop and, and recognize and realize that you can't, you can't take those big-time hits and continue to believe that you're going to be healthy. You can't. It's just not a recipe for success. It's just not. So Johnny Manziel, you wonder, does he have the size? Does he have the ability to change his style of play a little bit? Does he have the ability to stay in the pocket and be successful in the pocket? Does he have that ability? Time will tell. A lot of people have questions about this guy. A lot of people. A lot of people have questions about it. And I have questions as well. I'm not sure what Johnny Manziel is going to be. I'm not sure if he's a franchise quarterback. But if I'm a team in the 20s or maybe the teens and he drops to me, I mean, obviously there's value in that pick. But, you know, you look at these all, all these quarterbacks, Blake Bortles, you don't know what he's going to be. Teddy Bridgewater, you don't know what he's going to be. I mean, you have questions about these quarterbacks. And before, I mean, the thought, the talk was this was going to be a quarterback-heavy draft. This was going to be a draft that if you needed a quarterback, this was the draft to be in. If this was a, if this was, this was, if you were in need of a quarterback, this is the draft 
to 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 be in. <clears throat> Obviously, that's changed a little, but there are some players. We'll see how it works out for any team that drafts any of these quarterbacks, and we'll see if these guys are the real deal. But I mean, at this point, I think it's time for the NFL draft to get started. It's time now. I mean, we we've talked about enough. We've poked and prodded enough. We've analyzed enough. It's time to get on the clock. And it's time for Roger Goodell to make the select to, to announce the pick. It's that it's about that time. It's about that time. In the NFL, because a lot of people are saying, and which is fair, you almost have a little law in the action at this point. It's, it's got a little quiet in terms of the NFL. Not a lot of people are talking about it like they once were. It's gotten a little quiet in the NFL, and we're not really hearing about it much. So at this point, at this point, it's quiet. The NBA is taking some of the thunder, definitely. Donald Sterling and that story has taken some of the lost, you know, has taken some of the headlines. I mean, that's definitely taken some of the headlines. I mean, that was a big time. That was a big story for a while. And obviously, the Game Sevens, all the Game Sevens, have taken away some of the the headlines from the NFL. <clears throat> but the draft is Thursday. And it's time to make the picks. It's time to make the picks, and it's time for it's time for teams to decide what they want to do. Jadavian Clowney, if you believe he's the guy that you want to go, if if you believe he's a he's a can't miss type prospect, you're the Houston Texans. You're in need of a quarterback. But if you feel like Clowney is better than any of the quarterback prospects out there, then you take Jadavian Clowney. But if you feel like, you know what, Bortles is a, is a guy that we need and I believe is going to be a, a legitimate NFL quarterback, then you have to take Blake Bortles. You have to. And we'll see what happens moving forward. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had... Some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't true. mean anything. I was uh, trying to throw you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Rocky. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. We're going to bring in a guy now who makes it fun each and every Clippers games. We're going to bring in a guy, one of the best fans, NBA fans out there. Let's bring him in now, the one, the only, Clipper Darrell. Darrell, how are you? 
What's happening, man? What's going on with you? Uh, not too much. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem, man. Any, anything for you. <clears throat> Appreciate it. Now, Daryl, long week for the Clipper faithful. What was your initial thoughts when you heard the audio, the Donald Sterling audio? I was shocked. I mean, I was, I was hurt, man. I, you know, tears came running down my eyes when I first heard it because I was like, this man is the same man in 2006 put me on a team plane, put me on the team um, in, the, in the team hotel at the Ritz-Carlton in the game seven of the playoffs last year, you know, and then I had dinner with him at Morton's the Steakhouse. Wow. And I'm like, and you don't like black people? Oh, man. I mean, that's, that's any fan dream come true that they can sit right. down with their team owner and, and break bread with. For sure, for sure. And you look at it, and before the decision came down now, before the decision came down, before Adam Silver decided to suspend Donald Sterling forever for life, to ban him for life, and to fine him $2.5 million and ultimately try to force him to sell the team, were you going to boycott Game 5? Were you, what was your decision there? Well, I, I was going to follow the lead of my players. My, the players had my back when I, you know, when I was in, when I needed them, and I was going to have their back. So if they was going to take the court, I was going to take the, I was going to take the stand. If they was, if they was going to boycott, I was going to boycott. So I was, I was going to follow their lead. Now, as we said, Adam Sterling, Adam Silver, excuse me, came down hard on Sterling, banding for life, banned him for life. Find him $2.5 million. When I say Adam, you say silver. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, so I'm you're sorry okay to interrupt you, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. You're, you're okay with the decision. Uh, you know what? That's, a, that's the only thing he could have done. Um, just even, even, if he didn't, even if he didn't want to do it, he had to do it. Because America, America, would have came down on the NBA so hard, Nobody would have went went to the game. They would have had probably probably a little bit of all the arenas filled up. You know what I'm saying? And then the players was ready to boycott. Right. Okay. If they didn't do the right thing. So when you when you when you when you about to boycott, I mean, come on now. You you got eight games going on, and all the eight games are gone. Come on, man. Right. You can't you can't right. you can't do that. And, so and then also he made got, the right. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think he made the right he, he made the right decision. I mean, you know, he 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 didn't have a choice, you know. And now, sir, since Sterling got prostate cancer, now he can go ahead and sell the team and and, and enjoy the rest of his day. Now, also, I feel bad that he has it though. Definitely, definitely. I mean, some people believe it's karma. Some people reap what you believe is reaping what you sow. But I'm I'm not sure about that. But you definitely feel bad about this whole situation. But you look at the situation now with with that audio coming down like that. Like you said, he really didn't have a choice because Donald Sterling essentially says that he doesn't want black people at his games, and black people support the NBA big time. Yeah, that was so, that I was mean, the craziest. <laughs> it was. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, we've known over the years about some of the things about Donald Sterling in terms of the housing discrimination lawsuit. You know, the lawsuit with Elgin Baylor. Ultimately, he would win that, but. There was talks that this guy was a racist. And so, I mean, let me ask you this. Did you think he was a racist before these comments? 
You know what? It, it, when people, when people, I mean, everything is heard about a, a certain person, especially when you got money. And rumors always goes about it. People are always taking you to court, and they accuse you of a lot of things. Did I feel that he was a racist? I had to, I had to, you know, I talked to him on several occasions. I never felt it. He has, he has a black bodyguard, so I didn't. I never felt that that he was a racist until I heard them words that came out um, out of his mouth. Now everything that I went through with the organization all makes sense now. You see, mm-hmm. in 2012. So right. now you now I know that it came from the head and not from the, you know I I just thought it was like you know the front office you know was having you know you know somebody just just hating on me or whatever, but now I see where it came from. So it kind of all makes sense to you. Exactly. <laughs> now, we, we we as we go forward and you know his assistant V Stevavino she did come out and said she doesn't believe he's a racist. Any thoughts on that? I mean, for them words that come out of your mouth. You know what? When he said when he said he don't want you to take pictures and put them on Instagram, that didn't even bother me as much. You know, because cause everybody has their way. That didn't bother me as much. But when he said he didn't want black people at his games was a huge. And then he had the mentality to say that, I buy them cars. I buy them houses. I buy them food. Come on. I mean, that's that slave mentality. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, so to yeah, me, a tiger can't change his stripes. He's been like this for 80 years, man. 80 years. You can't change sure. him. No. Yeah, I mean, it, at, at this point, it's, it is what it is. He is who he is at this point. And, I mean, he's a racist. I don't know how you could say it otherwise based off, you know, previous things and just based off what you heard in that audio. The man's a racist. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last time you talked to Donald Sterling? Go ahead. It's been about, it was, uh, the last time I talked to him one-on-one was in, um, uh, I was in Texas. What was the the All-Star Weekend in in Texas? That's when I talked to him one-on-one. February, that was February last year. That, that's the last time I talked to him. I see him all the time and wave at him and stuff like that. But that was it. But, I mean, to be one-on-one up close with him, that was the last time. You know. Okay. But, we're talking. You know. But, we're talking. Go ahead. You know, but, but overall, though, man, you know, one thing, one thing that came out of this that was positive is that the NBA nation, the world, united, united right. together to fight this. And, and, you know, racism is a big thing, you know. Donald Sterling is not the only man out there that feels this way, you know. Right. And But the, but my problem with it is that you can feel this way at your home, but I'm saying when you bring it in, into the public's eyes and you can't own a team in the NBA that's dominantly 70% black. Right. And say that, and say that type of stuff. Even if you felt it, you know what I'm saying? Right. You can't mm-hmm. say it, you know. But but one 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 will argue that the conversation was said privately, and that that's the argument that you you get from some people. Well, he said this in private, and if we all get judged and criticized for the things that we say in private, we all probably would get in trouble on some level. Would you agree? I agree with that. I agree with that. But the problem is, is like. If you don't have mistresses, you would have never got caught up. If you didn't have people like that, 
His wife ain't never said anything. She's been married to him for 50 right. years. Right. You see what I'm saying? So right. now he got caught up on something that, you know, that these women are out here to gain his, his money. He paid, you know? Right. For sure. I mean, you know, look, his wife is taking the girl to court for, what, $2.5 million? Or yeah. 1.8 or something. I mean, 1. come 8. on, that doesn't even make sense. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, he bought her, a, he bought her a condo, bought her two Bentleys, a Ferrari. I mean, come on, and he's gonna go sue yeah, for it. I mean, it's it, it's obviously a messy, messy type situation. Definitely a messy type situation. We're talking to one of the greatest fans out there, Clifford Darrell, and moving forward. I know you have a campaign for the fans to buy the Clippers, but if that does not happen, is there anybody you want to see? Oprah, uh, the Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya. Who would you want to see own the Los Angeles Clippers? The person that I want to see own the Los Angeles Clippers is a person that's going to give the same amount of love and passion that us fans show towards the team. Okay. That's the type okay. of owner that I want. You know what I'm saying? I don't care right. who it is. I'm not gonna name I'm not gonna name names. But you know what I'm saying? I'm out here trying to, you know, to raise the money myself. <laughs> you know. Can I, you know, can I you know, can I raise a million dollars? I hope I can. <laughs> but man, shoot. I mean, because I mean, the Green Bay Packers fans did it, you know. But you know, it, 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 it's a lot to to own in the team. But I just want a passionate owner. You know, I just want somebody that's going to love this team. And that's what I love about Mark Cuban is that right. he's the most passionate owner in the NBA. You know, he he loves his, he loves his team. He listens to his team. He talks to his players. You know, he understands what he has to do, what, he, what, he don't, what he's not going to put up with. So that's the type of owner I, w- I would definitely want to be a part of. I don't want a, a Showtime owner that's going to just, just come to the games and just, you know, just say this is mine. I want to. I want owner to come in and do something. You know, make well, you know you do what they got to do. You had an opportunity to work with Mark Cuban many moons ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any regrets? <laughs> and you got to remind me of that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you have to remind me of that. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> On to the court now. I mean, you know, this whole Donald Sterling thing. I mean, it's really take it took away. I thought what we've seen as one of the greatest first rounds in a long time. I mean, five game sevens. I mean, this has been some great, great basketball, and and I don't think we're paying enough attention to it, unfortunately. Exactly. You know, and 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 that's the thing, man. This is a great game, man. It's the NBA, baby. It's fantastic. And by having by having this all over all over the news, I mean everything everything stopped like the world just stopped, and everybody talked about it, man. I have never seen so much media at one game in my life, right. <laughs> especially right. at a Clipper game. <laughs> and, <laughs> You know, but I, like I like I like I now we can get back to playing some basketball. You know, the right. guys are back on the court. You know, it's tied up three three. Game seven is tomorrow night. We can just put this Donald Sterling up to the pass. Let the commissioner deal with him, and let's go out there and be fans. Let's go out there and play this game that these guys work so hard to get 
to, to get to this point, you know. Game, se- game seven tonight, tonight. Oh, tonight. I'm tripping, man. I'm tripping. Tonight. <laughs> Ooh, what I say, tomorrow night, huh? You said tomorrow oh, night. Oh, man, I'm... Yeah, I'm tripping. I'm thinking this is Friday, man. My mind, my mind is gone. Man, I've been doing so many of these interviews, man. I've been all over because I, because I, because I've been doing them in like in Japan and Australia, so they're ahead of us. Right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. So I apologize for that. I know I'm going to the game tonight because it's already on my wall. <laughs> okay, all right. Just making sure. You got me scared there for a moment. <laughs> Let me ask you that. Let me ask you that. I mean, we we go into Game Seven. And now I look at the numbers. Blake Griffin and, and Clipper wins, averages 28 points per game. Blake Griffin and Clipper losses have averaged 18 points per game. But in your mind, who is the key tonight for the Los Angeles Clippers to win game seven tonight against the Golden State Warriors? It's just going to take everybody. It's going to take, it's going okay. to take the whole team. You know, it's not, it's not no, per, no, no set person. It's just that these guys have to play team ball and depend on one another. When you notice, when we win games, we play team ball. When we lose games, it's all about them isos. But okay. I was proud of them. I was proud of them game six. It's just that you could, couldn't put it off. They, they, you know, basketball is spurts, and it's all about who, who got the last spurt. That's all it is. It's right. runs. It's re, you know, you played a game before. You know. Sure. You ain't going to make every shot. <laughs> You're going to try. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and them guys and them guys them guys try man. Steph Curry is right. no joke. Steph is no joke, question. man. That was my next question. Does that make you a little nervous having a guy Steph Curry who could conceivably shoot and, and make eight threes, could walk away with forty forty five points in a game seven, winner take all, one and done. It is what it is. You win, you go on. Win, lose, you go home. Does that scare you, Steph Curry on the other side? You know what? Now I ain't gonna say all. Oh, he don't scare me, baby, because we at home, baby. <laughs> well, Staples Center got the best sixth man in the world. Okay, we gonna be. We're all races. We're all races. Come together as one and be the right. sixth man to cheer our team on to a victory tonight, baby. I'm telling you, I have never heard Staples Center sound as loud as I heard him sound in Game Five. That place roared. If they bring that same energy tonight, it's no way, man. It's no way. I say the Clippers, so Clippers beat them by six. Clippers beat them by six. By seven. Seven. Okay, let me ask you this. Uh, Mark Jackson said the pressure is on the Clippers. True or false? Say that one more time. Mark Jackson says the pressure, the pressure excuse me, is on the Los Angeles Clippers. True or false? You agree? No, the pressure is on both teams. You know, pressure is on both teams. I mean, you know, this is game seven. Winner go home. You know, so you can't. You can't. You know, it's more. It's more pressure on Golden State because Mark Jackson might not have a job if he lose. That's why sure. I'm saying that. You know what I'm saying? But for sure, you know, you you you're coming to our house, and we're not letting the Warrior fans come to our house and make no noise for their team tonight. Because this is, I mean, what could you ever say? Clippers and championship in the same sentence. Is that, is that going to happen? Now we can, baby. Now we is can. Is that going to happen? Is it going to happen? Can we win it all? 
Will you win it all? We can win it all. <laughs> we can win it all. And I'm, and, and I'm saying that. We can Will win it all. all. Will we win it all? Yeah. It's going to be a hard fault. And I think we do. Yeah. I think we will. I think I think I think I think right now we are America's team. I think we are America's team. I think everybody is is, is pushing for us to go ahead and win it all. So let me ask you this: You got OKC in Memphis tonight. Who would you rather see? I don't want to see neither one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see somebody. You know, but it got to be somebody. Hey, but you know what though? Since Zach getting kicked out of games and and uh, Tony Allen is hurt with migraines right now, I don't. I mean, you know, I would like to see Memphis. The only reason I want to see Memphis because I want to beat them again. I just want to beat them okay. so we can say because they 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 swept us, and I just want to be able to beat them, you know, and 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 win the championship at the same time. It'd be more beautiful. We're talking to Clipper Darrell real quickly now. Zach Randolph, do you agree with that suspension? Hell yeah, you can't you can't hit nobody in the face like that. I mean, he that yeah, was, he just killed. That him. was a shove. That was a shove. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was a shove. That wasn't a punch. That was a shove. That was that wasn't a punch. Oh, I didn't. You know what? Now I just seen a glimpse of it because I wasn't really. I walked through. It looked like he, he hit him. That was on the shove. Look at it again. I'm definitely gonna do that now. It was yeah, like, it, it was a shove. No, it, it was a shove. He just should have been fined. It's close. It, it was, was a shove. It was questionable. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, he just like should have been fined. It wasn't like a yeah. Mayweather jab. It was. It was. A, it was a questionable. You know. Now exactly. I know you got you got a website. Where can fans find out some of the great things going on with Clipper Darrell? Yeah, ClipperDarrell dot com. C L I P P E R D A R R E L L. They can it's, yeah. they can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at the same thing, Clipper Darrell. D-A-R-R-E-L-L. Fans, support one of the greatest NBA fans out there. Support this man, Clipper Daryl. Daryl, pleasure talking what to I? you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Before you get out of here, I need a Let's Go Clippers chant. Let's go, Clippers. Let's go. <laughs> Appreciate you, baby. Appreciate you. Take care. All right, man. Clipper Daryl. Greatest NBA fan, one of the greatest NBA fans out there. We were expecting to be joined by Crockett Gilmore and also uh, Dylan Baxter, but that didn't necessarily work out. Maybe we'll try to get him on another time, but I definitely want to thank Clipper Darrell for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for again For everybody here at go for it we hope you have a great weekend, a great day. This is a great day of sports. Mayweather fight, three game sevens, Kentucky Derby. Enjoy it. See you later. Bye.